Craft Beer Radio, episode 58, November 1st, 2006. Beer Radio, which is the show. Well, what do we want to say? Do we want to say it's the show for craft beer in the craft beer industry anymore? It's an interesting point that Rick made. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we are the show that uh, is called Craft Beer Radio. Show for craft beer. Show about craft beer. We, we I think, our show very first show craft? we said the show dedicated to craft beer in the craft beer industry. Hmm. You want to make that little change? Maybe, although it does kind of sound long winded. The show about craft beer? But dedicated does... I mean, that is what we're doing. So, yeah, okay, the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. There, that was creativity right there on the podcast. You can be part of the creative process. Oh, all this is going to be on the air? Yeah. Oh, okay. Exactly. So, this week we are doing America Pale Ales. Unfortunately, I thought Greg thought we were doing stouts. I told yeah. you to make the call and you never picked something. No, you said you were doing... You said... No, no, I said, here's the list, pick something. No, you, you, then you said... I have two stout, two types of stouts for you. And I was like, yeah, do that. No, you didn't say, yeah, do that. Yes, I did. You yes, didn't. I did. You, oh, damn you, Google Talk. Yeah. Anyway, this week, we are doing Pale Hales. American Pale Hales. Which one should we do first? Let's do the Eel River, since we did Eel River last week. All right. This is the organic one, right? Yeah, this is an organic extra pale ale. From Eel River Brewing Company in Fortuna, California. They opened 1994 and had a production of 1,200 barrels. These are available in Alabama, Arizona, California, Florida, Idaho, Oregon, and Washington. Nice 22-ounce bomber. Speaking of the bomber, last week we had the the uh, bomber reveal river. I went to clean up a couple days later. There was still like a half glass of beer in the bottom of the bottle. Oh. Bomber. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so we're getting what almost has to be. I thought I nailed the hop, but then I, I had second to guess myself, and now I'm not so sure. Well, I'm smelling something fruity and also piney, uh, a little resinous there. Yeah, I thought I smelled a Chinook, but then I kind of caught a little bit of the apricot, so I wasn't so sure. At the very end of that aroma, you get the pininess, uh, kind of yeah, resinous stuff. Wow. Take a sip of this thing. It's like four different hops, like fighting over your tongue. Yeah, <laughs> you get a little bit of the apricot fruit that you get from a Simcoe or Zeus type oh, hop. Jeez. <laughs> then you get a pretty harsh bitterness you get from like a, a Chinook, right? Something along those lines. And then there's some more mellow. Wow, this is just a hop party, isn't it? Jeez, <laughs> it is a. I do like that that kind of the the hop journey you go on with this because it is they they are separate and not mushed together, mm-hmm. which is you know that, that that's a very well crafted point. I don't know. I mean, the, I'm not really a big fan of the Chinook flavor. Right. I think that you know last last time when I had that big, big Chinook, it really hit me wrong. Okay, and that's by, like the second thing you taste here, and that's kind of like mm, to me. Right, but, Chinook comes across as kind of a piney, resinous type flavor. Mm-hmm. The Eel River uh, Extra Pale Ale, its color is um, 
a light orange. It's nice and clear. Has a nice puffy head on it. It has a really good aftertaste, though. You know that Chinook part. The thing that's the thing about Chinook. I think that I don't like that initial burst, but I, I really do like. It leaves you with that that piney. Okay. It, it kind of has as initial very harsh, real harshness to it, and then it leaves uh, a reminiscent of uh, pine. I've said pine like eight times already, but it just leaves that kind of aroma in your mouth, and that is very pleasing. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you balance that? Well, I guess you balance that with three other hops. Right. This is a certified organic beer, just like the other one that we had, the IPA. This, you know how the IPA had organic right. hops and hops? This just only has organic hops. So this is more organic than the IPA. Hmm. Who uh, gave us this one? This is from Gary. Thanks, Gary. Hmm. American Pale Ales. We got a little style guideline here for us. Let's look it over. The aroma is a usually moderate to strong hop aroma from dry hopping or late kettle additions of American hop varieties. A citrusy hop character is very common but not required. This is not citrusy. I mean, the hops are, are there. They're a different kind, but I think the Chinook really kind of dominate this. Yeah, it starts out with a little bit of fruit, but then it really gets to the, the resinous yeah. and, and well, like, just a harsh family of hops because it does twist your tongue, that's for sure. Low to moderate maltiness supports the hop presentation and may optionally show small amounts of specialty malt character, bready, toasty, or biscuity. Fruity esters vary from moderate to none, no diacetyl. Dry hopping if used may add grassy notes, although the character should be not should not be excessive. So that was the aroma. So I'm going to take another sniff, sniff here. Trying to balance this on, on what they say, and, and I, again, I don't think citrusy so much there. Um, well, I, I'm getting the I'm getting a piney. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a mix of like fresh pine sap and a little bit of apricot thrown in. I think, and that apricot it has to be kind like of like a dried apricot too. Yeah. It's kind of like a, but it, it's not as like apricotty as like the Yards Philly Pale Ale and some other ones right. are. It's like a mix of the the pine sap and the and the apricot. And really not a lot of malt. But that's okay. That, that It fits the, the uh, aroma classification because it is a hot-forward beer. Uh, flavor usually moderate to high hot flavor, often showing a citrusy American hop character, although other hop varieties may be used. Low to moderately high clean malt character supports the hop presentation and may optionally show small amounts of specialty malt character, some very similar to the aroma in terms of the flavor. Balance is typically towards the late hops and bitterness, but the malt presence can be substantial. This is not a malt substantial beer. No, this this one here is um so it's a pretty I was trying to like taste it looking for malt, mm-hmm. and what hit me was how bitter this beer is. Got this nice solid bitterness that kind of rolls back your tongue. Uh, caramel flavors are usually restrained or absent. Fruity esters can be moderate to none, moderate to high hop bitterness with a medium to dry finish. This is a pretty dry finish. Yeah. Hop flavor and bitterness often lingers into the finish. No diacetyl, dry hopping, if used, may add grassy notes, although this character should not be excessive. This has a little bit of grassy notes to it, but I don't know whether that's from dry hopping. I think it's just... Oh, this thing's probably dry hopped. Really? Yeah, with the flavor that's in this thing? I, I would say it's dry hopped. Hmm. See some of the commercial examples for this beer. Of course, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, right. Stone Pale Ale, Great Lakes Burning River Pale Ale, Full Sail Pale Ale. Full Sail, I think. No, right. sorry. Uh, they're from Oregon as well. Yeah, 
Anderson Valley's Palico Gold Pale Ale, Pyramid Pale Ale. So those are some of the popular commercial examples that exemplify the American Pale Ale, Category 10A of the BJCP. <laughs> and we're drinking the Eel River Extra Pale Ale from Fortuna, California. And we're liking it. It's decent. I mean, they, I really think, though, if you want to have a bunch of these, which, I mean, it's going to be hard to, because they're in 20 ounce bombers, and it's really good to try. But this is probably not going to be on my list of stuff to get a, a lot more, because that Chinook thing is not my favorite. Sure. Right. Business. Craft Beer Radio business. Of course, you can send us an email to beer at craftbeerradio.com. Always. We love getting your emails. We got another nice piece of business news. We're launching a new website. Yes. Which, uh, if you're hearing this, you got it through the new website. Or so you can go to, on iTunes, I mean. Well, through the RSS generated by the new website. <laughs> you can go to craftbeerradio.com and check it out. A new content management system. There's some new features on our website. There's a flash player so you can listen to shows directly on the website. There's a message board of sorts so we can have some topical conversation. Check it out. Let us know. It'll make my life easier for posting the show. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll notice that this show is the only show in the RSS feed now. There's an adi- there's a new archive RSS feed, which will have all the old shows in it. If I didn't do that, everyone would re-download all the shows in the feed because the GUID has to change. But people who have the show on their stuff will still keep it getting in, right? Yeah, it's the exact same URL. Yeah. Well, we have some sad news if you're inclined to like that sort of thing. The end of Pittsburgh Brewing is close. We may have to say goodbye to Iron City. Which really wouldn't be a, too much of a concern of my, you know, from my perspective, and probably not from yours either. No. But there are some people who will miss it. So to them, I say, sorry, it looks like it's going to go away. Now, I think that they'll find a way to keep Iron City around. Someone will buy it. Yeah, I'm someone sure. will buy it or brew it but, maybe somewhere I mean, else. You know, you always want to, you know, especially as a Pittsburgher, you want to support the Pittsburgh company. But, I mean, you can't blindly support a poorly run business. Yeah. And that's what they are. They've been a poorly run business for years, not doing the right things to make money. They don't deserve my charity to, to stay open. They can't cut cut it on their own, so. Maybe there's a whole article here, but basically, to sum it up, Iron right. City's going away. Okay. What's this next one? I didn't read this article. Uh, oh, wait. Yes, I did. There's an interesting article, which we'll link to on the website. Actually, we might have to post it on the website. Um, it's called Tapped Out from Tom? Yeah, Tom sent oh, it. Oh, Tom sent it. Okay, Tapped Out. It's an interesting story about uh, how tap handles have evolved over the right. years and the explosion of tap handle designs with craft brewing. So it's kind of marketing, but it's also brewer mania, and it's... It's an interesting evolution of something as simple as a tap handle. Yeah, and you know, I keep thinking back to when Scott from East End said, you know, he really got a big pickup in his uh, beer sales. sales when he changed the tap to say Pittsburgh on it. Yeah, he used to have these little ones you can buy at like Northern Brewers with the little inserts, you know, mm-hmm. the little wooden ones, and then you got these uh, triangular shaped ones, and it says Pittsburgh in big letters, and then an East End Brewing Company and the beer in small letters, and it helped him sell more beer. Another, you know, it's it's a it's part of the aspect I think about this town that I don't like, and I talked about this on the main show, pre-show. on the pre-show. I'm sorry, this isn't the main show. I talked about this on on the pre-show. There, there's a real problem. Sure, we can finish this off. A real problem with the beer culture here in Pittsburgh 
it's not mature like other places. I was just in Boston over the weekend, and almost and every place I went to had a good beer selection. Had you know a Sam Adams, a Sam Adams seasonal, an IPA from somewhere. Uh, maybe they had Budweiser on tap, but they also had like Sapporo. I mean, they had yeah. a, a really good beer selection every place I go to, even the hole in the wall places. And here in Pittsburgh, that's not the case. There are six or seven great places you can go to for beer. There are a couple places that have relatively decent, you know, selection, one or two taps, nice taps on there. And then there is every other place which has nine or ten taps of some American uh, macro-style adjunct lager. Or they have three taps and they just have some American-style macro lager. Even if they have a local Iron City tap, that's all they have. They don't have, They don't have bother with having any of the right. stuff. And part of that is... There is this sort of this Pittsburgh-centric mentality in people. They they aren't going to buy the beer unless they see, oh, look, it has Pittsburgh on the tap handle. I'm going to buy that beer. But the other there's other problems with that in that why is it the, I have to go to a bar that – I have to specifically go to a bar that has a good beer selection in order to get a good beer. And I don't like that. I'd like to just be able to go any place with some people, be able to get a good beer. And that's in a way how Pittsburgh is kind of less of a beer town – Less of a connoisseur beer town than I'd really like. Pittsburgh has the bar, like you said, the bars that carry good beer, carry great beer. Yes. And there's a lot of cities in the country that don't have as not many or as nearly as good of bars as we have in Pittsburgh. So I want to make it clear that I'm not complaining, but it certainly is. There's hot spots. And it's it's feast or famine type thing where yeah. there's a lot of bars that don't have anything. Whereas in Boston, you said every bar has something. And really, what that contributes to is it, it it contributes to a sardine effect, where in these bars where they have great beers, people are packed in like sardines in those places, especially during the busy times. So you don't even want to go to those places during the busy times because unless you if you don't if you don't like that kind of thing, that's also a very Pittsburgh thing. Like in Boston, there were a bunch of places and didn't you didn't have to go to a place that was full. Of people, right. but here everyone loves to be in these packed-in things where it takes you ten minutes to go to the bathroom, and you have to you have to wade through a sea of people just to get anywhere. <laughs> I really despise that. And the problem with having beer hotspots is that those will, especially when they're in popular areas, those will fill up really quickly. And then where are you going to go to get a good beer? Right. It's sad. <laughs> Speaking of visiting towns, I've been forgetting to talk about this for a couple weeks now. I didn't talk about the bars I went to when I was down in North Carolina. And the one I have to mention, and if you live in Durham, it's an awesome place, is Tyler's Tap Room. It's right across the street from the Durham Bulls Stadium. Mm-hmm. They have 60 beers on tap. And like no, oh, there was like two throwaways. They had a PBR for like the late night crowd on the on the bar side of the place. And like a yingling or something like that. But other than that, it was all good beer. They had a nice bottle selection. I was there. I was there for a week. I went there three nights. <laughs> <laughs> so Tyler's Tap Room, right by the Durham Bull Stadium, awesome place. And if you live in the area and haven't checked out or haven't heard of it, you need to go check it out. It's in the uh, American Tobacco Building. I also went to Top of the Hill Brew Pub. I was kind of disappointed with their beers. Nothing special there. And then I went to City Beverage. It's a little coffee shop, beer place. Got crazy high ratings on uh, Beer Advocate. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't Tyler's. And it ranked like, you know, three or four places higher than Tyler's, I think. So it was weird. Was was the amount of people different that posted about it? Was that could that have had some effect on it? It it could have been. I mean, City City Beverage wasn't bad. 
They only had, you know, a dozen taps. It was a little coffee shop type atmosphere. And But I was expecting, oh, wow, Tyler's, this thing's better than Tyler's. I can't wait. And, you know, maybe my expectations were just too high. We are finishing up the full, the Eel River Extra Pale Ale. This is, um, you know, it mellow, mellows out nicely. Mm-hmm. I do like the, the, the finish it has. It, it seemed to get a little bit uh, less dry as it got warmer. Right. As I'm finishing up, I'm noticing the apricot more and the pine sap pininess mm-hmm. less. And now I just... No. I thought I caught a whiff of, like, smoke, but there's absolutely no smoke in this beer, so I don't no. know where that came from. There, there's a good bitterness at the end that's sticking around. Maybe that was playing with your senses a bit. Yes, maybe. Eel River Extra Pale Ale. Our next beer is the last one of the this one. set. This is the Back Road Brewery American Pale Ale. Given to us by... Monkey Toe, perhaps. Thank you, Monkey Toe, perhaps. This is a back row brewery in no, the port. No, it's um, guy gave us a crooked tree. Steve, 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 Steve Dan, trees. Dave, Steve, Mark, Harry, Mark. Back road. This is from the back road brewery in Laporte, Indiana. Leo Laporte, Indiana. Five percent alcohol by volume, brewed year round. Cascade hops. They tell us so. Okay. Yep. Nineteen ninety six is when this started. Three hundred barrels. Not a big brewery. Well, we'll give this a shot then. I um, I like the sound of that. Yeah, only three hundred barrels, so it'd certainly be interesting to try such a smallly produced beer. I think Scott might be doing around three hundred barrels this year. I think. Look at that nice copper color there. Might have overshot it, but. Hmm. Oh yeah, I got some chunky yeast. <laughs> yeah. Got a bunch of chunky yeast in there. Oh well. Well, Not this gonna... has a completely different kind of smell. From yeah, the last I was one. expecting like a real cascade aroma. I'm kind of getting getting some... a little bit of a uh, you know caramel type malt as well yeah. in it. Yeah, definitely a maltiness. Uh, uh, um, I don't know about a caramel type malt. I mean, to me, it's more bready. Okay. Yeah, it could be bready. Maybe I was overreaching. Of course, a nice copper color has a less foamy or less uh, fluffy head as the last beer, but it's still a nice head that's sticking around. Very fruity hop flavor, kind of what you would expect from Cascade. Uh, kind of tending to the, the sli- slightly sweet sour side. It has um, a mouthfeel that comes across and a finish that comes across a much drier than the last beer. Mm. But hmm. getting a, a bright hop flavor on the roof of my mouth and kind of on the sides. Does this kind of remind you of Sierra Nevada Pale Elm? It, no, it really no? doesn't, because okay. I had some hearing about a pale ale recently, um, and I was I was you know, shocked at how, how good it was for some reason, even though I know they're a great brewery. Right. For some reason, I, I, you get in your head things like, you know, oh, well, it's Sierra Nevada, they're, they're big. How can they be good? It's really good. Speaking of which. Speaking of which. We have a story here that Greg found about Anchor Brewing fighting to but save But this is not small. Sierra Nevada, this is Anchor Brewing. It's the same mentality, though. Sort of. I, I actually have to talk. I want to talk about this because okay. 
I mean, just just like we had to convince ourselves about how good Sam Adams was, we had right. to you, you have to continually reinforce yourself that as you get bigger, you don't get worse just because you get bigger. Right. And I think that this news story about Anchor, you know, they're fighting to stay small. This whole thing is a big. Uh, uh, a, it's a big pimping for uh, for Maytag, the guy who runs the brewery, and him, you know, fighting to keep small, whatever. But and you know, we can read this on the air, but who needs to actually read it? We can just talk, discuss the actual story. You can read it if you want to. To, to me, what's interesting to me about this is that brewers like Sierra Nevada, like Sam Adams, they can get big and still maintain excellent quality and still do great things like that. Um, the, the Brewer Patriot series. Right. So this whole we have to stay small, I don't necessarily buy. Just like the whole we have to be, you have to buy Union, you have to buy local Pittsburgh. I don't buy either. Right. It's it's kind of it's the same mentality, just dressed in different clothes. Well, you, Fritz's thing is not necessarily big equals bad. It's the strains that come from they get put up on the company from being big. If you outgrow your supply, if you have to cut corners, if you can't have the same quality control in your brewing processes, then quality is going to slip. That's something he doesn't want to do. That's how. But Fritz that's can. not true because look at Sierra Nevada. Look at Boston Beer. If you're good enough with your company, now maybe Fritz is, isn't confident that he can do that with the way he has the company set up. Maybe he's just not confident enough in his ability. But that doesn't mean it's impossible. And kind of what they bring out here, or what Fritz seems to think, is that it's impossible to get big and stay good. At least that's the attitude that the article is, is presenting. Well, you know, when you run a business, it's not necessarily you know the be-all, end-all to get as big as you can. If you get a nice, sustaining business at a perfect, at a good size, why not maintain that size if you're happy? I mean, he's brewing beer. He's in you know in San Francisco. It is. Pub, they got a little distillery that they're working on, you know, stuff like that. And, and that's fine. I just sense a kind of hostility towards getting big here. Okay. And I think that just because you get big doesn't mean you're bad. And I find that, that you know, I have to fight that. Like I said, with Sierra Nevada, I have to fight that in my head. And I think that is reinforced by things like this, by the idea that, that the small brewery is a better brewery. It's not necessarily true. See, I've never really had that point of view from Sierra Nevada. I just had a Sierra Nevada stout the other night, and oh man, was it so good! It, it's a, uh, it's past its prime, starting to get a little bit of oxidized. But in the stout, it was a kind of a good oxidized, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it, even though it was a little, you know, like I said, oxidized. It was pretty cool. Now back to this beer. Uh, I find the, the, the hop. It's just, I mean, I, I honestly, I wasn't that. M- I had some issues with the Eel River with that Chinook Hobbs, but the complexity won me over. This mm-hmm. is really just not very complex. You're getting an you know, initial hop uh, flavor going away. You're getting a little bit of maltiness there. Yeah, but you're going to find more American Pale Ales like this one yeah. on the market than you will like that one. Yes. Right? I mean, so a lot more are going to have just some hops in there. You know, it's probably enough hops to, to you know fulfill the style obligations. Yeah. I think that I shouldn't have. We shouldn't have had this one after this one. Oh yeah, because comparison wise, it hurt. Right. This one sounds like a pretty good, pretty big hop beer, and from the descriptions I've read, and this one I think is pretty hoppy too. So we probably should have just switch those ones. <laughs> and what are these? I, I had no we'll idea that later. the I had no idea that the Old River was um, such a hoppy beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Extra Pale Ale, which I saw as an extra pale. Ale, but not an extra, extra pale, pale ale. ale. Right. So yeah, I put I the I that. put the uh, space in the wrong part, 
And so I thought it was going to be a nice light beer and a good one to start with. Well, they fooled us. Well, I'd love to hear an email what you guys think about my perception of this article. To take a look at it, see if I'm in the wrong, which, you know, I, I certainly could be, although I rarely am. And, and also, I mean, it's, I, I would like to hear about people's perceptions uh, about big brewers and if they ever had to fight themselves to either to just admit that, that you know, a big brewer is good or something like that. Okay, and then you have one other news article here. It's quite long. Well, yeah. It's this one about the perils of globe. I want to get to that a little bit later because okay. I have a point about that too. Okay. But let me make that later. But speaking of email, let's go into some of the, the email we got. Uh, M. War sent us this dig story, which has this overly complex Rube Goldberg machine robot that will pour you a, a, a glass of Asahi beer from a can. It will take three and a half minutes to do it, and it's just and they'll talk to you in the meantime. And I was telling Jeff as I was watching it, man, I felt like just halfway through pushing the thing over and just saying, "Give me a beer." <laughs> No, it didn't those, really do all that great of a job for you. Yeah, it also spilled some of the beer, too. It's one of those Japanese, you know, cutesy things. And it's not meant for, obviously, expediency or any sort of... Uh, um, practicality? Yes, any sort of practicality. It's just meant to be cute. Right. But it's still really annoying. It, it would take up space the, in any um, place that I lived in. Didn't didn't he send us a link to the the commercial beer filling one, and then there was a related link to the robot? I think. Didn't I think I'm. I'm pretty sure he sent yeah, us a link. I mean, to that the, that was the thing that I was really caught. I think by. I think he sent us the link to the the actual the the one that makes sense. It was like a soft drink dispenser. You put a glass under, it tilts the glass, and uh-huh. fills it up, and then it has like a second spout that puts the foam yeah. on, which is kind of weird. But <laughs> it did a good job at filling the beer. So that's the one he sent us. I, I did love the the Rube Goldberg aspect of it, though. It was you mm-hmm. know, all these different things happening, but it took way too long. Yeah. And Steve posted uh, for us a show idea. First of all, show idea of low alcohol beers. It's a good idea. We'll have to work on it and see what we can get because, yeah. by definition, low alcohol beers often aren't bottled because they don't age very well, and lots of them are draft only. No, we can find some lower alcohol beers that may not be session beers, and try to find ones that are nation. Oh, the thing is, also by definition, they tend to be really local. But I guess that's not a good argument because um, this back road brewery only bottles. 300 barrels of beer a year. So So we can get some of those, maybe. But we we, we did do light beers. That's not the same. (laughs) That's not quite the same. He also says here, though, something I wanted to bring up. Please don't compare Bare Knuckle Stout and Guinness. It deserves to be compared, but not by two guys that don't seem like Stouts or Cream Stouts. I love Cream Stouts. And I love Stouts. Yes. I don't like... Guinness and bare knuckle stouts style of of stout, which is this light nitrogenated. Yeah, well, I said in the uh, message, not flavorful stout. Yeah, the only kind of stout thing about stouts I really don't like are nitro stouts. Yeah, it's a rare find when you find a nitro stout that isn't washed out of flavor because of the nitro. And one that comes to mind is Old Dominion's Oak Barrel Stout. That mm. is a worthwhile nitro stout. And uh, Eastern Brewing Company sometimes puts the Blackstrap on Nitro. That maintains some flavor, too, but it's not quite as good as the uh, Old Dominion. Uh, but, yeah, Bare Knuckle Guinness, they're both just creamy, washed-out glasses of black stuff. Yeah. So. And, I mean, we did a show on Cream Stouts, and, man, 
I went crazy for the Mackesons. I mm-hmm. still, when I see that, I get it almost all the time yeah. just because I love it so much. Yeah, I've had some old bottles of Mackesons that have been sourly disappointing, though. Oh, that's too bad. He also talks about a lesion when they tap their pumpkin ale. Did you see these pictures, Greg? Yeah, I I, uh, I saw. I have a post here from somebody else who gave us a, who gave us yeah. some pictures. Ben posts pictures from the lesion. They pumpkin. ferment the the secondary fermenter in a large pumpkin, <laughs> and then when it comes down to tap it, it's like a firkin tap, and they hammer it through the pumpkin <laughs> and they serve it out of the pumpkin at a lesion brewing in Seattle. That's that's cool. They did a porter this year yeah. in the pumpkin. Ben said that the porter in the pumpkin was tasty, but the great pumpkin imperial pumpkin ale was the real star. Okay. Mm. So that was the back road. the back road American pale ale. It was okay. I think you know it was pretty drinkable. Yeah, and you know it has that Cascade flavor. And if you like Cascade hops, you're gonna go good for it. But after the Eel River, it just it doesn't feel quite as complex to me. Our next one is uh, Boulevard. Yeah, let's do the Boulevard. Boulevard Pale Ale from Kansas City, Missouri, five point one or Missouri. 5.1 alcohol by volume, brewed year-round. Uh, pale Caramunic and Caravian malts. Magnum Cascade, Fugles, and Simcoe hops. And, in <laughs> case you're curious, 163 calories. <laughs> Rather, sounds, 163 calories. Sounds like a uh, delicious grain bill and uh, hop combination there. This will be the, the... This Boulevard actually sent us these beers, so thank you very Thanks, much, Boulevard. Boulevard. We had the wheat beer in the pre-show. I think that's our flagship. It was pretty good. The wheat beer was pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. Didn't really get a chance to talk about it much, but I can definitely tell there's a bunch of hops in here. I mean, I, I kind of feel the collusion happening. Okay, there are the hops. Is my first two whiffs of aroma. I was like, "There's supposed to be hops in here. Where are they?" I couldn't find <laughs> you them. Couldn't at first, find them but there. Not the first two sniffs, but now I can. Oh yeah, I definitely do. I mean, there's at least two I can smell. Okay, this one pours a. Uh, I'm getting like a Fugles aroma, definitely, and uh, and something else, maybe Simcoe. This is a cloudy, dirty gold. I'll call this one. Dirty, dirty gold. It's about a two fingers worth head or so. Yep, there's some hops in the flavor. You know, a different, completely different combination of hop flavors, though. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I like this one a lot. Um, there's a light on your on your cheeks, and there's a bitterness on your tongue, and kind of wafting in the back of your tongue is a different sort of hop flavor. Yeah, so it's, exactly. instead of the Eel River, kind of had a progression of hops, right? Uh, and this one kind of has them all this coming at you geographically yeah. <laughs> disparate. <laughs> Yeah, that see that that to me. I mean, I, I really like that because I like how that combined with this the slight kind of underneath malt presence really gives a really full flavor to the beer. It really expands in your mouth, and I appreciate that about a good pale ale. Right. Ben wrote in here. He had some impressions about Elfking. He said he hated to hear our impressions, but that's because he had something he tried to bring home when the TSA decided that there was going to be no mother blanking beers on a mother blanking plane. <laughs> And he was unable to bring them home, so he wasn't able to get it. So he hated to have. That was probably a fun uh, hour or so at the airport, oh, though. Oh God, I can't imagine chugging him out at the airport. So yeah, he was talking about that. He uh, drowned his sorrows with an Avery Maharaja, which I heard is pretty good too. A lot of people told us we've got to try that one. 
And he also wanted to comment on the Eel River. He said it's a great beer and showed him that organic beers could actually be good. Mm-hmm. He's um was trying a Santa Cruz Mountain Organic IPA that farthers the view. So yeah, I mean, Eel River has been the most impressive organics I've had. I mean, these last two have been full of flavor and have been also full of complexity. And the other organics I've had before this have been really, well, frankly, to me, poor. Mm-hmm. They've been just water with some hops. <laughs> a little slight hot flavor yeah. and carbonation. Yep. Mm. This is good. <laughs> I like this Willowbar a lot. Well, let me talk about this news story. This is a story. It's a big, long article. And I don't know whether it's news or just sort of an, an interesting article about... Um, Glow, what they call glow beerization, right? And how making these global beers and promoting this too much it is sort of ruining the the culture of beer they have in other places. Okay, but one thing that this really it also talks about a lot of history of beer, uh, you know, history of how beer has come up through the ages, about how beer used to be produced mostly by women in right. the household, uh, about how beer was so important to the pilgrims and to early society but one thing that i've and i've i've read this a lot and people promote who promote beer talk about how important beer was to society a lot one thing i don't see mentioned and it's interesting is that the way is that the perception of beer has really significantly changed over i don't know how long i mean maybe the course of the past 100 years only but beer was not seen as a recreational thing. Right. I mean, to to us, beer is recreational because we know the effects of alcohol on the body. Right. Because we we can get clean water now. Yeah, I think that's kind of the biggest thing that changed the view when you realized what beer was doing to the water so you didn't yeah. get sick and you could do the same thing without, you know, making beer. I think that's probably the biggest thing that changed changed it from a necessity to a luxury or recreational thing. Yeah, and when they talk about the importance of beer, it's not necessarily because everyone loved the taste of beer and people have just lost the the flavor of beer. It's just beer was healthy for you. Beer was the thing you could get that wasn't going to kill you, that wouldn't keep you in a state of being sick all the time. That's why beer was so important. And it's not because everyone loved and everyone had great beer back Mm -hmm. then. I think there's kind of this perception among, among people that beer was so significant and it was such a huge thing but it was just because it was the one way you could get substance you could get your water in you without being sick right. and now it's much more the t- we we look at it in an entirely different way now you know you're you're saying just made me think you know the Ben Franklin quote uh, beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy mm-hmm. and I always thought of it as a jovial you know recreational thing but now I was thinking water God giving you something to drink. So I just yeah. thought of it in a wholly different, wholly different way now. So I really don't. I really would like to see some and, and somebody talk about how beer came from being a staple, mm-hmm. where you know kids drank it, you know, and and elderly drank it, and that's what people drank right. to becoming a recreational thing. How that changed the perception of beer, how that changed the concept of beer, the concept of mass marketed beer, you know, what everybody mm-hmm. drank, right? You don't really see that in this stuff. And so it's. It, I think that all these articles about the history of beer are kind of missing that point. I see. It's an interesting point of view. I would have never really thought of it. And now it makes me want to find a book on it. 
You should write a book. I have to do a lot more research. Craft Beer Radio Press presents. <laughs> I'd like to hear somebody like Lou talk about it. Let him do the legwork, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, you can. There's going to be a link to an article on our site. Uh, it's a nice, very long article. It talks about other stuff like uh, Tej in India and all types oh, okay. of stuff. Very cool. Josh posted on our website about. Uh, curious about how American IPAs compare to traditional, not just English IPAs, but colonial English IPAs, the ones that had the sail around the Horn of Africa. And, um, you know, it's really not something I've been able to experience, something that's, you know, reportedly the same kind of beer that's made. I don't know if a, a traditional, you know, an English one that we can buy here is accurate or not. Right. And we had a couple people post in about it. Um, Dave, who lives in the UK, wrote in. He said he had to disagree with Josh because Josh mentioned the Burton Empire IPA, which he thought would be um, that was a really good IPA. I believe I don't put words in his mouth. It was either a really good one or a historically accurate one. Uh-huh. And uh, he says he thinks that Josh was United States by the way he spelled flavor, and it's perfectly reasonable beer. The correct spelling of flavor, you're saying? Yes, just without the U. <laughs> <laughs> But it's not the best by a long way, and certainly isn't true to the style. He would say that Free Miner Trafalgar IPA is a better beer and more true to style. The Meantime Brewery has brewed some historical beers, including IPAs at 7.5% alcohol by volume. It is excellent, but good luck finding it in the States. Hmm. I may have seen Trafalgar at, at, uh, at one of these places. I think I have. Uh, and then Greed comes back and... Um Dave posts about Green King's uh, IPA and saying it's a decent beer, very drinkable. But Greg in New Zealand comes back and says the Green Pig IPA is, he thinks that it's drinkable if watery nothingness is the thing. <laughs> There's a little fight going on in there. I like when people start tossing it around on our message boards. But that's cool. The There's Kiwi like, versus the Brit. Yeah. <laughs> they, both, they, don't, they both spell flavor wrong, though, so... <laughs> What you gonna do with that? Well, yeah, I'm really enjoying this Boulevard. It's uh, you can taste the difference in hops there. Each one of those 163 calories are very appealing to me. Hey, it looks like you only got 81 and a true. half. It's true. <laughs> the, the malt. I mean, they use three different malts. I always wonder about that when you know, in play thing like a pale ale, where malt really isn't you know all that. Big. Well, when I saw Caramunic Caravian, I'm like, ooh, that's going to give it some neat character, but it's such a hoppy beer; it's not like it's standing out or anything. I mean, it may it may have some subtle impact that we're not detecting because yeah. we're not good. We don't know what it tastes like yeah. when it's made with pale malt, so. yeah. <laughs> but the brewers at Boulevard probably do. I'm sure they you know they could brew one without pale or without caravine and. Say here, you know, see, and it's different. I well, you say imagine. Chris wrote in. He had a little rant about his local beer store. Apparently, when you walk in, the entire storefront is all Labatt's and and macro beers. Uh-huh. And if you want to get craft beer, you have to read it off a list on the wall, and they have to go get it for you. And he was. It's kind of the a bitch against the macro brewers. This place, a lot of Canadian macro brewers using their muscle to. This store pushing craft beer completely yeah. out of sight. That is annoying, but I mean, if you are going into a place for craft beer, then 
in a sense, a list is sometimes helpful. I mean, they, they I have a the place where I go to, they have all the craft beer on the right wall and the north wall. Well, most of it anyway, and some is in the in the fridge, and then there's also like station. There's a Great Lake station, for okay. instance. Uh, but sometimes I would just like to see a list because they have a whole bunch of them. They have, they they make have a you lot run of all over the beer. place. <laughs> yeah, and you know you're looking, you're looking. Like, okay, oh, maybe this, maybe that, maybe that. So you know, maybe a list would be good. <laughs> when I go to save on beer, it's a whole long back wall, this big warehouse, and and I walk up and down that like six or seven yeah. times, and I'm trying to pick out a case of beer. <laughs> and again, that's a place where. The subtle bits of advertising still will affect you when you're looking at cases. And, you know, subtle things in the cases may affect you even where you don't even notice yeah, it. They might. See, I look at every case. And I yeah. enjoy, you know, how the cases are packaged. But it's not like they're catching my attention because I, I make no, sure I, mean, I don't like, miss anything. Your mood can affect yeah. whether you pick one color over another. Yeah. And if you're just looking at a list, then you're more likely to pick out something that you're really... Going for, I suppose, is something that catches your eye. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. Right, right. Jamie writes in, Jamie from uh, Charlottesville, I believe Charlottesville, Seaville. He's a huge fan of the Alpha King, is also, but the $10 a price, $10 for a six pack is a painful price to pay. Yeah, but I'd pay it. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, it was so good. It was so delicious. I loved it. And I'm really jealous of Jeffrey T. <laughs> I drink three Floyd's Alpha King almost every day. That's what it's Jeffrey killer on draft. And on Mondays, the Good Beer Show, Studio A has it for $2.75 a pint. <laughs> also, he's talking about Jeremy Cowan. Is Febro is a blast, and he's doing a full show with him on November 6th. Jeffrey, you should be ashamed of yourself for being around such a good beer when other people aren't. <laughs> <laughs> and he can get founders there, too. Oh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Jeffrey. Or he, a short trip for him to get founders. You picked the right place to live. You well, did. Lots of beers we can get, he can't, so. That's true. That's true. I mean, we get, what, Iron City? Don sent us an email about Alpha King as well. Alpha King was a big hit last week. <laughs> Don has a um, homebrew recipe for Alpha King, and apparently it's done pretty well. Got an email from Drew, who um, was talking about Alpha King or something, and, and I said, I just got this homebrew recipe from one of the listeners, and I meant to paste him the URL of the homebrew recipe, uh-huh. and I didn't. He went back, you wouldn't be talking about uh, Don's homebrew recipe, would you? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and, and Drew had made it a couple times as well, so... Well, he meddled with it at a homebrew competition, hmm. so we're going to have to make that. Yes, we will. That will be definitely done. We're going to try that. And I don't think Don will mind, so I will put a link up on the show notes so everyone can, can brew his award-winning Alpha King clone. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, what's next on our list? Our last beer is uh, the Lost... No. Yes. Yes, the Lost Coast Pale Ale from Lost Coast Brewery in Eureka, California. 5.2% brewed year-round. Made with Munich malt, Chinook, and Cascade hops. You're talking about how beer used to be made by women? Yeah. This beer is made by women. I mean, it should be excellent. It was opened in 1990, this brewery. This brewery. Nano production of 18,000 barrels. Slightly paler copper. Uh, kind of on the yellowish side. 
yellow highlights. Yeah, I smell those Chinooks. Oh, that's a bready, bready multi of mm-hmm. aroma. There's, it's almost a nice change of pace, actually, having that much bready aroma. <laughs> uh, Lost Coast is available in Arizona, California, Colorado, Florida, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Montana, Nevada, New Mexico, New York, North Carolina, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, and Wisconsin. Hmm. This has much more maltier flavor, and it kind of has a bit of that caramel that I don't know if that was desired in the... Let me see that list again. Where is that beer guide? Oh, I like it. I mean, I like it, but I don't know if it works with with the style guide. Uh, Let's see. Taste. Caramel flavors are usually restrained or absent. Just kind of... This kind of is, is a little bit on the caramel malty side, don't you think? Yes, but it's so good. It's it's really tasty, really good. But if it was going up in the American Pale category, according to this, it might not do too well. Yeah, I wouldn't really call it restrained. But I don't tend to really agree with that because this is like... The caramel malt really brings it all together and it keeps yeah. that Chinook thing low. You know, the Chinooks are there, but they're not yeah. they're, they're not really bursting out of you. The caramel malt really helps to, to mellow that down. Yeah. It mellows out that harsh part. And you're left with that sort of piney part mm-hmm. that's really tasty. Uh, and then the Cascade is just kind of in the background, that sort of um, bright, uh, bright sourness that hits you on the roof of your mouth. That's the Cascade... Signature and it's really good. It's time for what beer am I, Greg? What beer are you? Well, okay. last week you were a pumpkin ale. The name Wood and Cody just doesn't have the same ring. And I have a brother who is a blueberry oatmeal stout. Another brother who is divorced. Well, if you know William Cody, you know that's Buffalo Bill Cody. We and had, the answer was Buffalo Bill's pumpkin ale. We had sixteen people write in. Sixteen. A couple people were saying, "Yeah, it's quite the softball we had." Mm. But. Well, the William Cody thing, I mean, that's that's a softball right I there. Actually, I, I had to, I rewarded that clue. It was even easier. It was like, William Cody is my real name or something. I mean, it's <laughs> almost as easy, but... <laughs> William Cody is such an iconic name. So, the people who wrote in were Ben, Joshua, Ryan... I'm sorry, Ben D, Joshua, Ryan, Steve, TJ, Brian, Jason, Drew, Chris W, Chris N, Justin, Troy, Andy, David... Ben, T, and John. The winner is TJ. Congratulations, TJ. You get a pint glass from East End Brewing Company. Buy a good friend a good beer. And, and uh, this Saturday, which is going to be after you hear this thing, Scott is having an open house at East End Brewing Company. So this is just for Greg, really. And he's putting the kvass on cask. Wow. Busy Saturday? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> this way's clues for what beer am I at WBAI at craftbeerradio.com. I am an Imperial Porter. My name is a question, and I don't even know my father. I have three wild sisters in my family. One is a whore who likes hops. One likes to be spanked and likes barley wines. And the last one is an angry bitch who likes beers that are bitter. There's a callback to a previous show yes, in there. Yes, yeah, I think two two shows ago, maybe. Not sure, but uh, 
Send your guesses to WBAI at craftbeerradio.com. We will draw one lucky winner from the correct answers, and they will get a pint glass from East End Brewing Company. Buy your friend a good beer. <laughs> and in final emails, let's see here. Greg posts about the extras feed being broken. Sorry about that for anybody that was fixed, and that should no longer be a problem anymore. I think we're done. I think we're done, yeah. I think that's it. Okay, talk to you later. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> All righty. So, yeah, I'm loving this uh, mm. this Lost Coast. Really Have you had good. enough to rank? Yeah, but I mean, I you know, we always try to rank in terms of style. No. I, I don't want to rank the Lost Coast because it's so good in terms of style. So it's like, how am I going to rank these? Well, oh, man. Okay, I got my rank. I know how I'm going to rank it. You started first last time, so I'll go first okay. this time. All right. Uh, this one I'm going to rank. Um, I'm still going to rank in style for the first one because for me, the best one in style and the best of those is going to be on top. Okay. And that one for me is definitely the Boulevard Brewing Company Pale Ale. I really enjoy the Pale Ale. I really enjoy getting all those flavors at once. Um, I just like the way it expanded in my mouth and it really fit the style so well. Right. Boulevard, you're a winner in my eyes. And her next is, yeah, this Lost Coast is really good. It's, it's extremely tasty. It's got this uh, the caramel malt to it that, that um, expands and kind of covers up some of that Chinook bitterness and, and gives uh, the Cascade some room to breathe. Uh, it's, oh, it's just it's really tasty. Lost Coast Pale Ale. Yeah, Lost Coast Pale Ale. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Doesn't quite fit Pale Ale style guide, though. That's why you're number two. That's the only reason. Okay. Uh, number three is the organic one, the Eel River Extra Pale Ale. Uh, I mean, I really liked it. Yeah. It my favorite organic brewery, definitely. Uh, just didn't quite compare. Right. Didn't quite stand up to the other two. Still really good. That Chinook thing is a little too bitter there. You know, gotcha. a little too much of that harshness there at a certain time. But, you know, how do you meld that with the style? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's it's a that's your balancing res- act. That's your responsibility, Eel River. Find a way. And our last one is Back Road American Pale Ale. I mean, it's just, you know, just kind of, it was there. It, I was kind of, I guess I was kind of hoping for more out of a small brewery. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, there's that small mentality kicking into me. You know, the small one's got to be better. Right. And it's like... Not yeah. necessarily, not all the time. I mean, it's it's not a bad beer. Certainly, a very drinkable yeah, beer. It's a, it's a well crafted beer. Yeah. It just didn't have any of that extra credit that the the other beers have. These other ones are all have complexity, and they all have a lot of you know a lot of things going for it. And I'd love to try more from Back Road. I bet they have some other stuff that really you know hits them off. But this one just didn't quite set up to the other three. See, my top three beers are like neck and neck. I, it's, it's hard. Like I, I know the order. But it makes the third one sound not so good. <laughs> it's just as good as the first yeah. two. But my number one is the Lost Coast Pale Ale. Styles be damned, right? right. I, this beer is so good, even with the caramel in it. It's the best beer of the night. Number two, I'm going to put the Eel River. I just like the, the, the complex. I like the hop journey that it took your tongue on. Yeah. Right? I it was definitely just really can see that. I mean, it definitely had that, that, that journey that was... Un- unusual, and mm-hmm. I love an unusual beer. I yep. love a beer that challenges you. And then number three is the Boulevard Pale Ale, and like I said, number three makes it sound like it's a lesser beer than the other ones because the bottom half, but it was very good too. It was a little more subtle than the other two, a little less, you know, 
uh, punch in the face hoppy, you know, or punch in the face hop experience wise. Right. But it was a good solid beer. See, I, you know, I mean, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. Continue. And then the back road, I'm going to put in last place. And like you said, yeah, it was there. It was a well crafted beer. Nothing really wrong with it. It just wasn't outstanding. So. The reason why the Boulevard was tops in my mind was just because everything fit right. And as much as, you know, I like Hot Flavor, but I, I don't think that everything has to hit you over the head. Not that Jeff does, but. Right. I really. I really appreciated that. Yeah, it was a little more subtle, but it was so well rounded. It really, it really gave me what I wanted out of mm-hmm. the Like tonight, I seem to have ranked them in the order of flavorfulness, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if I would have had the Black Road first, the Boulevard second, if I would have appreciated them more instead of having my tongue trounced by the Eau River first, <laughs> you know. Just curious if I would have appreciated them differently. I don't know. I do think that you tend to go for bigger flavors more. Do I? I mean, I, maybe I do too. Uh, I definitely think I had a tendency to do that in the, in the past. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to expand myself more. At least this time, I think you, you, know, you, you said it yourself. You went for bigger flavors, right? Um, I kind of yeah. I mean, I, I was you know more into the the interplay. I was I was liking the way in which the the Boulevard kind of you know just just you know laid it laid it out there but didn't just you know try to overbalance you on one thing it really right. just kind of throw it, it threw everything together in, in a really nice way right okay sounds good this was a fun show very very hoppy show yeah <laughs> and uh he'll be back next week with a little bit something a little different i think kind of kicking around an idea here no gonna uh, do it homebrew and a couple commercial beers okay they have so, some uh, sea creatures in it. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I'm excited. So join us next week for Craft Beer Radio, the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. This uh, is Jeff Bear. <laughs> this is Greg Weiss. And uh, have a craft beer. Have a craft beer. Have and, a deal. And share one with a friend. Beer. And talk about it a lot. And make a show about it. And make them listen to Craft Beer Radio too. Ring, 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 banana phone. Ring, 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 banana phone. I've got this feeling. So That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. It grows in bunches. I've got my hunches. It's the best. Beat the rest. Cellular, modular, interactive, modular. Ring, 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 ring. Banana phone. Ping pong, ping pong.